0: This is a podcast from Minute Media.
1: Welcome to Bet and Breakfast, a podcast from Betsided.
0: Hey, does anybody want coffee? Who wants coffee?
1: It's sports betting for everyone.
0: I'm here to tell you today that the New York Yankees season is done. Stick a fork in them. It's over. Lamar Jackson. I can't believe he's that low on the list that he's my bet for sure at this point
1: in the season. Early leans, best bets, props, parlays. If you can bet it, we've got it. I'm taking the over on this. If you look at the last five games, this is a game waiting for points to be scored. Tom Brady, I think everyone's heard of him. If Brady puts up the numbers, they have the 10th easiest schedule the rest of the way. Get in, get out and you're ready to go.
0: I think they're gonna have to give him the award if Dallas ends up locking up this division and possibly even that number one seed.
1: And here are your hosts, Ben Heisler, Ian McMillan, Peter Dewey, Donovan Smoot, and Reed Wallet.
0: What comes before anything? What have we always said is the most important thing? Breakfast. Family.
1: I thought you meant of the things you need.
0: Bet and breakfast on a Saturday morning. What is good, people? Ben Heisler with my guy Donovan Smoot. We are going to be here for the next 30 minutes or so going through our favorite bets of the day. That, of course, in the best bet segment coming up a little bit later on in the show. We've got a fun set of NBA games to dive into coming up in about 15 to 20 minutes game three you had two underdogs win outright last night uh what's the case going to be on saturday because both of the home teams now are favored despite being uh the lower seeds. so interesting matchups happening in the nba tonight and of course we're about a week away a week out from the nfl draft and there hasn't been a lot of conversation yet donovan about uh, some rookies that you can already start to bet on when it comes for offensive and defensive rookie of the year in the NFL. Uh, we have both our picks to win as well as a couple dark horse players to consider. But we have to begin. It's Derby Day. Happy Derby Day to you, Donovan. Have you? Uh, has this been something that uh, you've had circled on the calendar for the last several months? You got NFL draft. You got NBA playoffs. and Then you got the ponies going on at uh, Churchill Downs today.
1: You know, you know, good and well that I have not had this circled on, on my calendar. Um, the biggest, listen, Jack Harlow and Drake just put out a song called Churchill Downs. And that's the most I've paid attention <laughs> to Churchill Downs this entire, you know, this entire like month. So, but I'm, I'm ready for the derby. though. It's always like a really, really fun day, though. You know, everybody shows up. You got your nice hats. Everybody decides to do their best. You know, Cam Newton impersonation, and <laughs> just just put on all these fits. So, I'm I'm ready to see what what comes out of the day.
0: You know what's funny is I, I figured as somebody who has always brought the best fashion of the bet sided team that thank you the uh, the Kentucky Derby would be right up your alley. Everybody's talked to me about like Ben, you you got to go to the Derby. It's like such a great day. It's such a fun party. And my initial thoughts were like, yeah, but I, I'm not. I don't think I'd enjoy the party because once I get to the track, I would want to just constantly be betting on the horses. There's there's what like 13 races, and like the Kentucky Derby is like the, the second to last one over at Churchill Downs, and like at some point the whole festivities of it all, I I feel like start to get overwhelming by the time the race is actually done and you've been there and you're on the sun soaked infield for most of the time. Like I'm not, I'm not paying for those upper tier seats. I'm going to be with the people down low and Donovan, like, I don't know if you can tell by looking at me, I don't do particularly well in the sun. So I would, (laughs) I would just melt by the time like race number seven or eight comes along. So maybe at some point in my life, I'll get out to Churchill Downs. I've actually been there and seen, like, actually, like, toward the facilities. Uh, but I've never actually seen a race there. So maybe something to consider down the road.
1: Yeah, that's what the big hat is for. The big hat is to block out, you know, the the sun. I well, I,
0: I, thought, I thought guys are not are, are typically, it's, it's usually the the women that, that do the hats.
1: Listen, hats are for everybody. Hats are, are they are, they are. Do you people, like, neutral?
0: fedora then? Do you, like, like, little fedora the Explorer up you on can, top? You can
1: get a big brim hat. Like you can, that's, that's a play that, that you can make. Um, I, I like, listen, Carmelo Anthony used to rock a lot of like big, big brim hats. And I remember when Melo was on the Knicks and I was in high school, that was something that I, that I was like trying to do. Like you I was trying to was, pull off the hat. Yeah. I was trying to pull off the hat. I just couldn't cause I'm not Carmelo, but like that's, that's something that it's, it's more functional, like it's, or it's just as functional as fashion forward.
0: Okay. All right. So yeah. I, I listen. I if I can find the proper hat and the proper attire, then it's certainly worth considering. But I, I just feel like I have a long way to go before I get there. Like you just got to, you got you to walk. It's a process. You, yeah, you got to walk before you run here. Uh, but I do want to get your thoughts on the Kentucky Derby because you wrote up our predictions and picks over at BetSided. A um, lot of really intriguing odds. They're they're certainly starting to move. Uh, Zandon currently the favorite over at plus three hundred. Epicenter at plus three fifty. Um, so, so tell me initially, like as you were putting this piece together, what stood out? Were there any particular trends that, that might have caught your attention initially before we dive into picks?
1: Yeah. So, one one of the trends that that really popped out to me was that, you know, the horses that are that are getting the inside post, right? Yes. F- from post one inside inside the first three posts, post one, two, and three, they are one. They the they're one for 102, right, since, like, 1986 in terms of winning the derby. So most of the times you think, like, okay, if I can get the inside track and I can, you know, maybe have some sharp returns, I can I can have a, a bit of an advantage. That's actually not the case. And so it seems that the further inside you are, the more it just disqualifies you from being there. And so you, we've had, like, I guess since 86 nearly, like, you know, 40 something years of, of history that does that. However, I chose in my write-ups and my trifecta picks to buck a lot of the trends. Okay. Yeah. And so, I, and so I'll go there. Cause so my trifecta picks. And so like the, the trifecta bet is, so you, you not, obviously like you said, there's so many bets that you can make. You can obviously like bet on the winner, but the trifecta pick is more like a, you just you can just bet on on one two and three, mm-hmm. so you can either go the hard trifecta where you pick specifically first second and third win win show place
0: yeah one one place show and then yeah. you can box it which is yeah. where you can get them as long as you get them in any order you're you're good
1: yeah and so I have epicenter Mo Denegal and Barbara Road as as my trifecta picks I'm I'm gonna box them. And So those those are my three horses with Mo Denegal who's plus 1000 uh 10 to 1 odds. I have Mo Denegal winning winning the derby today.
0: So, so is interesting because he does have that inside position. Like he's number yeah. 1 when it comes to like getting right on the inside track. And like you said like it's a very tough place to be able to win from. But the last horse in that number 1 position like it's been done like you said it just hasn't happened in a long time but the last horse to win from that number one post position was Ferdinand back in 1986. And one other thing to to consider as well is that the favorite in the Kentucky Derby like has won the event in six of the last nine races. Um, But over the last three years, the the last three, and this is from from my 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 old buddy Frankie today over at Sports Illustrated. The last three post time favorites have all been defeated. So that for a while, you just had nothing but favorites uh, winning the Derby, and in the last three years, you've been able to buck that trend a little bit.
1: Yeah, and so that's why, like, if you notice, like, like Xandon's not there for me, just just because I think that's that's the trend that I'm that i really really gonna you know gonna ride with in terms of not not being on the favorites because like. It's it's you know, it's horse racing. There's a lot of stuff that can that can happen. It's a two minute span, it's a race, like anything, anything can go happen, somebody can have the best day of their life. And so placing placing a bet on somebody who has a little bit more value just makes a little bit more sense. Right. And Absolutely. so and so like that's why I like Epicenter, Epicenter is is plus three fifty to Zandon's plus three hundred. There's a little bit more more value there. It's Xandon and Epicenter are the two that are kind of like ahead of the pack, right? They're the closest ones. And then you start getting a little bit of separation. But I figured if if we're going to go with one of the top horses, let's go with the one with the most value. For sure.
0: I think the way that I'm going to approach it today is just kind of go with a couple of exactas and, and box them a few times. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, a couple of the options, I, the, the one that certainly stands out to me, obviously you mentioned Zandon and he's in a really good spot. Um, I, I do think this is an opportunity where maybe he doesn't win, but at least in a box, you cover yourself a little bit. So I'm probably going to box Zandon, the number 10, um, with number six, Messier. And just reading up a little bit about him, like Bob Baffert, obviously suspended, not a part of this race, but it is still uh, a Bob Baffert horse. Um, and so you also have John Velasquez, who is running it, I'm very familiar with the Derby. Um, And, you know, it kind of sets up nicely, especially with the Rangers back in the postseason this year. Uh, You know, NBC uh, not moving on a little bit from uh, from the NHL postseason. To me, it feels like there's a little bit of a narrative play. Um, So I'll probably box six and ten, which is Messier and Zandon. And I'll also probably uh, box um, uh, Messier with uh, Taiba, who's in the number 12 spot. Um, and reading up on Taiba a little bit is that he actually beat Messier uh, earlier this year at the Santa Anita Derby so there's a little bit of familiarity between those two horses so that's probably a, a little exacta play that I'll, I'll try and go for today um and then probably obviously put Messier at, at eight to one to win
1: okay listen listen I think I think that's a that's a very solid play I think if, if you talk especially like boxing picks you just have to give yourself a chance in like, you're all, you're already covered because you don't have to get them in the exact place. So I, I think that I think the more value you can get, and it, you know if you can follow some trends and say like, hey, this is what's been going on. Let me let me put you know my dollar where the last you know five of eight has happened or six of nine. If you can get a lot of those things to start to combine them, I think that's a that's a really good strategy.
0: So one two quick stories on on horse racing that I think you'll enjoy before we move on to uh, to our some of our favorite picks. Uh, in the futures market for NFL Offensive and Defensive Rookie of the Year. Um, So growing up in in the Chicagoland area, uh, there was a track called Arlington Park. And it's been in the news lately because the Chicago Bears just bought the property, and there's a lot of rumors that they might build a new stadium on this property. It's it's in the suburbs, uh, so it wouldn't be like by the lakefront in downtown Chicago, um, but maybe that is the opportunity that they build a, a stadium and get a retractable roof and start getting some more big events. Anyway, that's why Arlington Park's been in the news. But I went there for the first time, like, just as a family trip. And nobody in my family really likes to bet. I was probably 10, 11 years old. And so, like, to me, I was just, like, giving my dad, like, a couple bucks, you know, for each of the races <laughs> and going forward and, like, really diving in. And I you know, I had lost, like, maybe, like, $20. Uh, and to me, like, that was a lot of money when you're, you're 10 or 11 years no, old. it is. So, yeah. That's a so, big deal. That's a big deal. And so, finally, I was like, "All right, I want to do I want to do one more bet." My dad's like, "You know, why don't you save it? You know, you've kind of you've lost. You know, maybe this is an opportunity to realize that this isn't for you." I said, "No, I want to do one more." And I did a trifecta box, and it hit. And it hit it like twenty five. It hit like a twenty five to one. So.
1: (laughs) And you were hooked. (laughs) And you were hooked. I
0: think it was was the first time that I had had a hundred dollar bill in my hand. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, I got to do this again. So that happened. The other part is that I, I mentioned my buddy Frankie Tadeo uh, over at Sports Illustrated, because that was the first time before I came to BetSide that I was editing like a ton of horse racing content. Because Frank Frankie has, has studied this for a long, long time. He's a great horse racing handicapper. And <laughs> I remember the first story I ever read, he was going through it and he was talking about horses and he was, he was start, he would refer to them as like, this son of so-and-so and so-and-so. And I'm like, are you talking about the horse's parents?
1: Yeah. Like,
0: what? <laughs> yeah, this is a huge deal. Like these horses, like you have to talk and refer to it. I'm like, I-, I didn't know that we were talking about their parents in the article. But sure enough, like these are things that people look for. Like if you're a horse that then and there's a, a certain term for it that I don't remember. Um, where if you're, if you're a horse and you're a, a thoroughbred and you do really well, then like, you're the stud for, for the next several years. Like you just got a great gig going. Um, but I learned something that day that, you know, if you're, if you're a proud, if you're a proud papa or a proud mama in the horse racing world, then, uh, you've done awfully well
1: for yourself. No genetics is that's a, that's a real thing. It's actually like, a it's a really big trend as well. Like third, you know, 11 of the last 13 Derby winners were from like a very, very, uh, like successful horse. Like that your, your lineage, your name matters just as much as like what you've been up to yourself. Like it's a, it's a really big deal.
0: Yeah. And for anybody that's, that's watching on the, uh, on the, the stream today, if you can tell me the name of, of whatever it's called uh, for whatever a horse that's basically in charge for, you know, after they're done racing to just go and breed other horses um, by by all means. So I don't have to, so I don't have to look it up, but let's, let's, <laughs> let's transition a little bit into, uh, into some NFL futures because rookie of the year, uh, is out and about at several different sports books, and you and I were going through some of the consensus odds. And there's there's some value plays I think right now if you kind of evaluate the market correctly. So I, I'm curious. We'll start with yours. I want you to give me a pick starting on the offensive side um, for both, just your pick to win it, and also maybe a dark horse candidate that that we're not considering as of yet.
1: Okay. So my so my pick right now is Chris Olave for for the Saints. I think that. The Saints clearly, and you know, we were talking about this before. The Saints clearly made a big play going up to go get Alave, and I think coming back this year, you still don't know if Michael Thomas is going to be back. You don't know what his relationship is like with, with the team, and everybody thought that Marquez Calloway was going to be the number one receiver last year after that like amazing preseason that he had, and yeah, he just never happened. He, yeah, it never happened. Traquan Smith, it never happened. Like. You have you have a whole bunch of guys on the outside that you just can't count on right now. But you go look at you go look at Alave. He ran sub four a sub four four forty right four three nine. He's he's six six feet tall. You see all these highlights of him. He's he's so acrobatic in the air. He's gonna be like even at six feet, he's still like a red zone a real like red zone threat to just go up and and make a make a play. So I think on the scoring end he's gonna be big. And also, like James is coming back this year, he's going to be able to be just a little bit solid. You still have Alvin Kamara in the um, in the backfield as as well as Mark Ingram. Like you have pieces there to where we're not just going to load up the defense and just shift it to wherever Olave is. And so he can he's still going to be in a position where you can just get him the ball in space and make plays. And I think at at ten to one, right at at, at plus one thousand, that's really really good value, especially for a wide receiver.
0: I like, I like Olave quite a bit, just because I I think, especially if you're looking at the position, like wide receivers have won it over the last couple of years. Like you're looking for volume and you're looking for consistency and you know that the saints need that right now. And somebody like Olave, like I I initially figured that the saints might have a shot at possibly the way that the the board was setting up. Like they needed that guy that was going to be a really solid possession receiver that can play both inside and outside because we just don't know what the situation for Michael Thomas is. And obviously if they move on from him, He's somebody that is going to immediately catapult. Like right now, Kenny Pickett is your favorite for offensive rookie of the year. And I think it's just because of the position that he plays, but he's not going to start the season. It's still going to be Trubisky there. So to me, there's not value on the quarterback spot. It's probably finding an immediate impact wide receiver. And, and Olave certainly fits the bill there.
1: Yeah. And and you talk about like immediate impact. And that's that's the reason why I'm picking this next player as my dark horse. I'm gonna go James Cook for my dark horse offensive rookie of the year. Right? Okay, he's he's sixteen one, already second on the on the Bills depth chart for for running backs, and I you you look at the Bills and they are a very very pass happy team. Yes, right they they are going to put the ball in Josh Allen's hands and they're gonna say you take us there. And you saw in, in the playoff game against Kansas City. They said they did the same thing on the ground. They said, listen, when we're not gonna hand the ball off to Devin Singletary, to Zach Moss, you are going to be the the rushing threat and the and the passing threat. And in terms of longevity, that's not sustainable. It is not sustainable to have a guy throw the ball 45 times a game and then also take 15, 17 carries and take all the hits that he's gonna take. Like that's just that's not what you want for your franchise quarterback. And so Buffalo, they have they have a great offense. They have a good offensive line. You see running backs year in and year out, especially rookie ones. They're the ones who can come in and are most pro ready and the most ready to come in and make a really really big splash. So I think you get I think you get a running back in the best situation, the best quarterback, best offense. You know, um, great just great infrastructure. And if the Bills want to, I'm not going to say that they're going to turn it to a ground and pound team, but if you if they want to say, hey we're going to take a little bit of the pressure off of Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. James, James Cook can easily come in and get 800, 900 yards this year, a couple touchdowns and maybe able to steal that award.
0: Yeah. And especially if there's the breakaway speed that we're so used to seeing from him. And, and especially like given how the NFL has changed their entire perspective on pass catching running backs with breakaway speed, that's an aspect where he's going to make it to the highlight reel consistently. You know, they're still trying to figure out from the early down backs whether they prefer Singletary or Zach Moss. Like Cook could slowly continue to work his way onto the field more and more consistently. That I, I think it's a great play. And especially if he ends up leading the team in touchdowns and big plays out of the backfield, then yeah, I, I, I certainly think that's in play as well. Um, for, for my picks on the offensive side, um, I, I, you know, I like the Olave pick as well. Um, I, both of mine kind of feel like, like, like dark horse picks. Uh, Jahan Dotson is, is a really intriguing one for me because I think his role in the slot for Washington is exactly what they need. Now, I think they probably could have traded down to get him, but he didn't drop anything at Penn state. Um, you know, he's going to become a reliable option for, for Carson Wentz. You know, how he likes to target guys in the middle of the field. Um, you know, you being an Eagles fan for all those years. Um, I I just think he's going to come in and immediately get himself situated. I don't know if he's going to have like the type of season that that Jalen Waddle did um, where where Waddle was just all over the place. They used him in all these different ways and sets. Uh, But I think you can do a similar type of thing with Dotson and just, he's going to be reliable. And I think he's going to build the case for a lot of these great numbers. Like the last couple of years with, with Justin Jefferson Um, and then last year with Jamar chase, like those guys put up record breaking numbers at the wide receiver spot. I just don't think that's going to happen this year because none of the prospects while very good weren't at that elite level where they were going to become the immediate guy right away. Mm -hmm. And then probably put up those types of numbers, like maybe Olave, maybe somebody like Garrett Wilson in New York, but you're still trying to figure out what the quarterback spot is. The other two spots, uh, you had consistent quarterback play. And so I, I just didn't love it. Uh, but a couple of dark horse names outside of Dotson, I suppose you can put him in that conversation at 18-1. to 1. Damian Pierce, the, the running back from Florida, got drafted by Houston. Like, he's going to be the starter from day one. And that's a guy that they project to be a three-down back. He's available at around four-to-one odds. And then one other name way, way down the board, and you, you might know his pronunciation better than I do. Uh, Romeo, it's either Dubes or Dobbs um, that the Packers selected. Everyone's going to be talking about the Packers selecting Christian Watson who has maybe as as much upside as any of these wide receivers in the draft. Uh, But he's coming out of North Dakota State. He's still very – his his route running really isn't defined. And it's going to take him time to get to the point where they start using him the way in which they use Devontae Adams. But conversely, like, Romeo Dobbs was a a super high floor pick. Like, an experienced wide receiver caught a ton of passes out of Nevada. Just very – he seems like the type of guy that him and Rodgers are going to click with immediately. Like, just because he's seen it all and he has the experience, and there's going to be like that instant connection, I think. And Watson's going to get there. Um, but I, I think Dubes or Daz again, I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but the numbers are there and the time is there, and the Packers have raved about his experience. So, like, that's a plug and play guy for Rodgers right from the get go. You can get them right now at a hundred to one.
1: Yeah, I I like that play a lot. Just because I don't know, I I don't know if the Packers are going to try because they still do have obviously like they have Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if they're going to switch their entire offense because they don't have like marquee wide receivers. Yeah, you know, like like you would think, and especially after watching what happened in the divisional round against San Francisco, that they would say, okay, we're actually going to maybe take a step back from throwing the ball around all the time we we have Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon in the backfield like let's get them the ball at all times but I somebody has to step up and some like somebody has to be the number one receiver and there's a very very just like even playing field like you're, get, you're, you're gonna have Tanya in the middle of the field and he's gonna be there and he's probably you're probably gonna see a lot of touchdowns out of him this year but in terms of like yardage is Alan is like are you convinced that Alan Lazard is as good as his numbers say, or or was he more of a product of, hey, Devontae Adams is on the other side?
0: I I think it's probably a combination of both. I think Lazard's a good receiver. Like, he's a guy that can break away and has some good speed downfield, but, like, I don't look at him as a traditional possession receiver now.
1: Yes, and so so if he's not, like, the clear guy, him, Christian Watson, and Dobbs, all of them can come into this camp, and any one of them can come out and be the guy and be the guy that, that Rogers is clicking with. So I like that pick a lot.
0: What about on the defensive side? Are there any names that have stood out to you as far as dark horse picks and also the guy that you're probably going to go with this year?
1: Yeah. So, so I'm actually, so here's, so here's the pick in terms of like what I think is going to happen based on trends. So defensive player of the year has largely been like a front seven award. Right. It's been, it's been like pass rushers and linebackers. You don't see a lot of DBs. And I'm kind of looking at Devin Lloyd from from Jacksonville. Um, I know that they drafted, uh, you know, Walker first overall, and he's going to be the guy that's going to get a lot of the attention. But, like, Lloyd had a really, really good career at Utah. He had uh, over 100 tackles last year, had four interceptions, had seven sacks. Like, he can can do it all. So if if a lot of the attention is going to go to Walker, I think there's a lot of space for Lloyd to play behind him and kind of play cleanup and be more around the action. Mm -hmm. And so he's at, he's at, he's at eight to one. And like in the, in this defensive draft, even though that defensive players kind of stole the show in the first round, specifically the top five picks. I don't think anybody was, was looking at this class and say, Oh, like in terms of like the pass rushers, like he's generational, he's different. I I feel like everybody is still, there's a lot of room for somebody to come in and sneak up and, and take a, you know take that leap over somebody so i think a fellow first round pick yeah i think devon lloyd might be might be the one that i'm looking at very very heavily you know uh but in terms of dark horses and to be honest i i like the dark horses just as much as the lloyd like pick i just think that like i i just think that Actually,
0: it's so wide open i think on both sides of the ball this year right yeah
1: yeah i i think everybody like this draft has been really weird, especially because like there's no quarterback, so it doesn't seem like it doesn't feel like there's like a dominating figure. Uh But for dark horses, I have two. So I like Derek Stingley Jr., okay. who's at who's at ten to one, and I like Nakobe Dean, who's at who's at twelve to one. A little bit of a homer pick, obviously, but so with, with Stingley, I think Stingley is going to have the every opportunity to be just fantastic, right? He has Lovie Smith as his coach. He gets to play Trevor Lawrence twice a year and Lawrence is going to throw him a couple picks. He gets to play Ryan Tannehill without A.J. Brown, without Julio Jones, right? Those those two things can happen. He gets to play Matt Ryan this year and I'm not, listen, Matt Ryan's going to be great. Ian, if you're watching, don't don't get upset. Matt Ryan is still going to, I think that he's going to be able to make one play right against, against the Colts and so like he's in a division where the quarterback play isn't spectacular and so that play is there for him right. for Nicobe Dean on the other side. He was a full participant in practice yesterday. The Eagles don't expect him to miss any time due to his pec injury. And like, he is one of the most talented players in this draft and he fell because everybody was scared of this injury that may not even be an issue. You know? So like at, at 12, at 12 to one, especially it's and it's kind of the same logic that I had with Lord, where Jordan Davis is going to be there, yeah, like up front, and you have that you have that first four. For, Diggs, picks,
0: they had such a good draft; like they really, really did. And then you you, you factor in the, the trade for Brown in the process as well. Just yeah. Eagles fleeced a lot of teams this year.
1: Hey, listen, we're 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 going to be fantastic. But like
0: I, but like I, I told you, you know, uh, you know, for Howie Roseman, if if you can't
1: if you can't draft them, trade for him. I'm and as we've seen with the Rams. I'm a hundred percent in like favor of that strategy, you know, like I uh, listen, a, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. I would rather, I'd rather take this pro bowl wide receiver than take it, than take a chance and might miss on another first round receiver. So, so yeah, so Nakobe Dean, Derek Stingley Jr., Devin Lloyd, those are like the three guys I'm targeting this year.
0: I like it. I, I like it quite a bit. And Stingley's interesting because I actually have a dark horse pick um, that's also in, in sort of a similar vein as as that with Lovey Smith. So okay. you know, the the thing about Lovey Smith, I, I guess I can start with my dark horse pick first because the thing about Lovey Smith is, you know, in being a Chicago Bears fan, is that the one thing about the Bears defense during his time was it was all about turnovers, it was all about takeaways. So if Stingley is able to get a handful of interceptions and play physical. And that whole entire defensive mindset changes to the point where like on every possession, like even in practice, like the way that Lovey Smith would coach these teams is that even if like a wide receiver dropped the ball, the, the defense would, the defense had to swarm to the ball every time. If it was an incomplete pass, if it was just the guy put the ball down, the defense had to have the mindset of constantly picking up the football because like you have to train yourself yeah. if I see a football on the ground I'm gonna go after it and I'm gonna take the ball away. get ball see ball get ball yeah yeah um and so Stingley kind of fits that mold right like really physical corner um someone that's gonna play a lot of, of press coverage man coverage so I, I like that pick quite a bit um and you know Houston's gonna be attacked through the air so he's gonna have plenty of opportunities to, to make some plays he'll give up some touchdowns too again it's a, it's a product of that style of defense where, you know, you're trying to go for some takeaways. Um, you want to make sure that there's nothing over on top of you. So he'll give up some plays as well, but I, I think it's going to be uh, somebody that, that likely gets involved. I, I'm going shock here for, for my favorite play. I, I think Hutchinson is going to have a really nice season in Detroit. Okay. And you talked about like the division that Stingley is in. Who, who do you, who do you go after other than like Rogers Um, You know, like Justin Fields, who I'm I'm still high on, is not getting much help from Chicago. This isn't a full rebuild year. Uh, Minnesota's trying to figure out what their quarterback situation is going to be. And the Lions, you know, having the the second worst record in the NFL a season ago, are going to get a much easier schedule this year. So Hutchinson, right from day one, like he's, they they were ecstatic. Like there was a report that the NFL was mad at the Lions because they turned in their draft card too early (laughs) for (laughs) any sort of drama. So I think just right from the get-go, they're like, see quarterback, get quarterback. And Mm -hmm. I I think this is somebody that could potentially have double-digit sacks in his rookie year uh, because they're going to use him that way. And I I think the Lions have also done a good job of building from the offensive line and defensive line out. Um, They're still not a good team, but they're going to be improved this year. So I think Hutchinson probably makes sense. You know, Kyle Hamilton, I mean, you mentioned that defensive backs don't typically win the award, but he was the highest graded player for most people in this draft goes to Baltimore, which couldn't have been a better situation. I think he's worth a sprinkle at eight to one, but uh, you know, in a similar vein to how you mentioned Stingley jr. Kyler Gordon, the second round corner out of Washington who went to Chicago again, Chicago's defense is going to still be halfway decent this year. Um, he's on the other side of Jalen Johnson, who's already been a, a really good corner in the first couple of years of the league. Um, his coach at college, Jimmy Lake said in an interview in Chicago, that he's the most athletic corner that he's ever coached. And he coached Marcus Peters and he coached Akib Talib, like over the course of his career. So like that stands out And the bears in a similar vein, Matt Eberflus is from that Lovey Smith uh, Tampa two style of take the ball away. Um, like, that's another guy that's going to have to make a lot of plays and he's going to get targeted early because Johnson has proven himself to be a very good corner. So again, it's about the plays and it's about the takeaways. And so if both of those guys end up being used and take advantage of those situations, they're going to get some recognition right away. So Kyler Gordon at 30 to one to me uh, is a dark horse play And then Aiden Hutchinson at the top, uh, the favorite, as far as my defensive players, uh, defensive rookies of the year.
1: Yeah. I, listen, I like that a lot. I I like I like the fact that we're getting the corners involved because, I mean, outside of because, so Marshawn Lattimore won in 2017 and the Marcus Peters won in 2015. Peters won off off of what we're saying. Peters was in was a ball magnet, right? That's he was he was playing
0: in Kansas City.
1: He was playing for interceptions and he was getting them right. And so, like, if you can, it's it's kind of like the same thing with with that we saw last year with Trayvon Diggs, where he was. Uh, defensive player of the year candidate for a majority of the season if you're going to take those chances but you get the interceptions it makes up like statistically and like the analytics say the interception is worth it it's worth the, the turnover and it's worth like the extra you know 50, 50 yards that you're going to give up that day so if so if these guys can can go and and start making those turnovers and get their offense back the ball that's for sure like a very very Uh, advantageous thing for their case.
0: No doubt. All right. So we've covered NFL draft. We've gone over the ponies for anybody that's just joining us uh, a little bit late in the show. If you are watching, by the way, on YouTube, not only can you go back to the beginning of the show. If you want to go through some of our favorite picks for the Kentucky Derby, uh, as well as the offensive and defensive rookie of the year, but make sure you go ahead and subscribe to the show. Bet and Breakfast is live every Saturday and Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern. Donovan and I are both central time. So most of the time we like to just refer to it as 10 o'clock. Uh, okay. You can make sure that you guys catch this. And then Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. out of the East Coast. Uh, daily Bet Slip is live as well. It's our daily weekday betting show where we go over all of our different picks. Uh, heading into that night of betting. So all seven days a week, we have betting content for you both live here on Twitter as well as at YouTube. So make sure you guys go ahead and subscribe so you never miss any opportunity to weigh in with us whenever we're going live. We got a couple games on the NBA slate today, Donovan, that I'm very excited about. Uh, We saw last night both underdogs win outright um, and win in fairly convincing fashion. You had Dallas get it done in game three against Phoenix. Uh, Conversely, Joel Embiid came back. Uh, played a little bit of the, uh, the the Cape Crusader for the 76ers in their win over Miami. Um, it, the, the slate today doesn't really reflect a similar type of vibe, even though they're the, the lower seeds are at home. You have the Bucs as one-and-a-half-point favorites, uh, Boston plus 105 on the money line, small total in this game of 212. And then in the late game, you have the Grizzlies going to Golden State. Golden State's seven-point favorites uh, heading into game three, if you want the Grizzlies on the money line, you can get them at plus 240 and a higher total there of 225. So let's start with game one Celtics Bucks, Are you looking more towards the prop side or Are you looking more towards the side or a total? Uh, how are you handicapping game one? Today?
1: Um, so, so when this line came out, the bucks were actually three point favorites and it has moved down to Milwaukee minus one and a half. I'm still very much on, on the bucks. This, I think I had the bucks in seven, Uh, Coming into the series and after the first two games, I like Bucks and six. I I think they get it done even, even faster. And, you know, my, my, my best bet for the game and we can, we can get, get into that a little later, but the way that I'm seeing this, this like whole series play out is like, Giannis still isn't playing well. He's, he's not, he's not shooting well. He's not shooting well. He's doing, he's doing everything else well. He's not shooting well, but how long do you think that Grant Williams is going to be able to stand in front of of Giannis? How how many how many charges is is he going to take and still be okay? How how long can Al Horford stay with him in transition? How long like anytime Giannis gets going downhill, and we saw in the third quarter of Game Two, if Giannis if Giannis just like looks around and is like oh like I'm I'm him like I'm I'm Giannis Antetokounmpo. And, and just turns the switch, nobody on Boston is stopping him. So I think that today, especially getting back home, I think he shoots a little bit better. He's shooting 38% from the field right now. If Giannis shoots 45%, even with all those shots being at the rim, the Bucks have this very, very easy. I think that they have it, you know, in the bag. I don't I don't know if Boston has figured out a way to counteract what, what Milwaukee is doing defensively. They still can't score in the paint. And that's still like a very, very big problem. So i I, I think Milwaukee has a very big advantage today.
0: so I, I like that pick as for Milwaukee as well. They've always been a team, especially during the postseason over the last year or so, of taking a couple games to make adjustments, and then when they make the adjustments, they end up executing them almost flawlessly. Um, you know, you think about the the NBA finals uh, against Phoenix, being able to figure out what they need to do to slow down Chris Paul and company, um, be able to play even better defense, get the ball consistently in Giannis's hands. Um, you know, so I, I, I think Giannis's prop totals are definitely something that you're going to want to consider today. Um, and you're right. Like at some point, they're just going to let him go to work and they're going if, to if Boston doesn't change. Or adapt or start doubling him like he can't just be it can't just be grant williams right like it, it has to be a double team and they need to force other guys to shoot right now milwaukee has not been shooting the three ball well they made a total of three three-pointers in game two conversely boston made 20. um milwaukee's been one of the better okay. free th- better three-point shooting teams in the nba all season like they're going to push pace Um, and we just haven't seen it that much because Boston's done a good job on them. I think Milwaukee back at home starts feeling a little bit more comfortable behind the three-point line, and especially that's gonna open up looks outside if Giannis is more dominant inside. So I think feeding it to Giannis, getting him going early is gonna push a lot of these defenders to try to help inside. And I see Milwaukee pulling away because I think the three-point shot's gonna go down. So I'm with you there. I, I like him at minus one and a half.
1: Yeah, and this and with Giannis. The one thing that I have seen, which is kind of weird, and I think that it will come back, Giannis around the rim normally is really, like, he has a nice touch around the rim, right? And he can finish. He has these, like, finger rolls. He can put stuff off the glass. That hasn't necessarily been there. He's been very, very just, like, just, he's just been strong on the offensive end in terms of, like, missing shots. Um, you know, he's not he's not getting the touch around the rim in transition and so if you start to see that come back as well, if Giannis starts, you know, getting the finger roll going again, uh, Boston's in for a long day today.
0: There's also the consideration, if, if you think Boston is going to, like, continue to hold down Giannis, he had a triple-double in game one. Um, came close to one in game two, 28-9-7. Mm-hmm. I-, I wonder what the odds would be for, and I'd have to check this over at Winbet to see if they've posted these props yet, but maybe Giannis to get a triple-double, um that's really remains in play like if i'm looking at the stat line right now they have it for double double here we go a triple double for Giannis. wow it it's only plus 320 like normally if you're getting a guy to get a triple double you want it at least to to five or six or higher so that's that's tough but i also (laughs) think if you're if you're going off the minds that the is going to start scoring again then conversely maybe you target his points props and then also fade some of the rebounding and assist props as well. I'd say probably more so fade the assist prop as opposed to rebounding if you think the scoring is going to start to get going. But, I mean, he shot, you know, over 55%. um, (laughs) He shot 55% during the regular season. um, And then in the postseason, you know, the last two games it's been 36% inside. Forty point seven percent in the game against Boston. So you need to get that going. And in the game three, game five win against Chicago to take uh, you know four games to one. He shot seventy three point three percent from inside the range. So you need him to get going because that's the Giannis that you expect.
1: Yeah, I this this is this is going to be a Giannis game. And also to compare it, so like Giannis at plus three twenty for a triple double. The best player on the other side of the floor is Jason Tatum, and his odds right now are eighteen to one play 18 to 1 to get a triple double. Like it's insane just how live Giannis is to, to get that line. So uh, I I think everybody is waiting for like that explosion from Giannis to have the complete game, and I think we get that today.
0: I think so too, but but again, I I, I think the explosion comes at the expense of the triple double. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I think the assists yeah. probably go down. Like he probably finishes with like 36, 12, and five. Which mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Stupid numbers.
0: (laughs) All right. So that's game one. Let's move into game two for tonight with the, uh, the golden state warriors. They're now at home against the Memphis Grizzlies. That game split, that series is split at one apiece, uh, with the Grizzlies having a pretty convincing victory in game two and John Morant basically saying he played the fourth quarter without being able to see out of one eye. Um, conversely, you can make an argument that the Grizzlies should be up two games in this series. But Golden State back at home now, Donovan is a seven point favorite. Uh, Grizzlies are a plus 240 money line underdog with a total of 225. If you think the Grizzlies can continue to hang with Golden State, you know, plus 240 is intriguing. But as Peter and I talked about, I think last Sunday on Bet and Breakfast, you know, both of us thought that because the Grizzlies had an inability to really put the Timberwolves away, Um, and had to constantly find a way to come back in a lot of these different games that golden state would probably be able to beat up on him so far. It hasn't been the case.
1: It's been very, very shocking. uh, Seeing, seeing just how, well, uh, considering how everything has played out, it hasn't been shocking, but in the grand scheme, like where I, you know, take a step back and this is not how I saw the series going. Uh, I will say that for today, for game three, and as much as I like the Warriors, and again, I've told you, I think that the Warriors are going to the finals, plus seven is too much. The, or, or minus seven is too much. The, the, I don't think that there's a way that they, you know, blow this game out by double digits. Like Memphis is here, and Jaws here. And I, I, without Gary Payton there, there is a lack of perimeter defense yes. on, for, on John Morant and on everybody that is that it's going to be missed. Right, Jordan Poole can't guard him. Klay Thompson cannot guard him. Steph Curry cannot guard him, and like Draymond is eventually gonna poke him in the other eye, and like he might get kicked out again. So, de- defensively, I don't know how they stop Ja. You, you just kind of just have to back off and hope that he misses all these threes. But, I yeah, I think I think plus seven would be the play. Grizzlies plus seven is probably the way to go today.
0: Let me give you uh, another one, not necessarily spread or total. Um, I would target Golden State in the first half at minus four because the sense of urgency is going to be there. I, I think coming back home, you need to put on a statement. And we've also seen how many times were Memphis and John Morant just inconsistent in the first half, like not getting their offense in rhythm, Defensively, they let up too many easy buckets. We saw that so many times with Minnesota. Golden State, like, is not a team that is typically pushed around, and they've been pushed around in this series. So, only having to cover four as opposed to the seven for Golden State feels like an opportunistic time. Especially the Grizzlies' mo of just starting first halves um, with you know a little bit of, of inconsistency on offense, having shots not really be able to fall. And then you know in the second half, if, if Jaw' is able to get himself going and really start to pull away, I think Golden State can easily cover that four, especially if they come out and they're sh- and they start making shots right from the get-go. It's just a matter of whether or not they, they really put their throat their their foot on the throat of Memphis.
1: Yeah, I think I, I think that that might be the, the play. I'm looking at at the game two box score and you have Clay Thompson who goes two of 12 from three. Andrew Wiggins goes one of seven. Steph Curry goes three for eleven. Jordan Poole goes one for six. Right. And they end up the on the night shooting seven for 18 percent from three. That's not gonna happen again. Um I think especially after I at remember home.
0: Dylan Brooks is is out for for game
1: three as well. <laughs> well,
0: I, I, I know how
1: you feel about I, I mean yeah, I mean cool. I mean, you know, I mean I, they, they might be, you know, Golden State might be better <laughs> or or Memphis might be better without him because he was playing terribly as well. Um, so I kind of want him on the floor because if D'Anthony Melton is shooting the way that he is, the Grizzlies are, are great. Yeah, hard to take I, 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 yeah. I like the first half play though. I think that, that that's very interesting. I think Steph is going to come out and have a, at least a good first quarter shooting wise. Um, ho- hopefully Poole can do the same thing, but I I'm, I'm with that. I, if you listen, if you play it, I'll play it. Okay.
0: All right. We, we, we got to play. We got we got a couple that uh, that we can go off of for today uh, in the association, which means it is now time for best bets of the day. Uh, I'm going to kick things off. We were talking NBA. So Donovan will go first in the NBA. And I got a Major League Baseball uh, under that uh, I'm very intrigued by. Uh, always excited for, for baseball unders it's <laughs> unders uh, so far in baseball. So Donovan, who do you like as far as NBA best bets go for tonight?
1: So I'm looking at a spread, but I'm looking at an alternate line. I'm taking the Bucks minus three and a half, right? So this is bigger than what they, than what they opened at. They're
0: currently it, minus one and a half right now.
1: Yeah, cur- currently minus one and a half. The line opened at minus three. I'm taking a minus three and a half, plus 120. Listen, this is very, very... I, when I tell you that I'm very confident in Milwaukee winning this series and winning this game, I am very, very confident. Um, because for Boston... I look at them and I'm just like, yo, let me, I want to see what you guys are like if you're not shooting 65% from three. If you, if every single shot is not, is not falling in. If you, if you're not just taking heat checks for the first 20 minutes of the game, let's see what's happened. Right. Because so the Celtics shot 65% in the first half of game two, they end up going up by like 25 or something going into the half. Every other half has gone like this. Game one, first half, Celtics shoot 35% from three, which is league average. The Bucks win the half. Game one, second half, uh, Celtics shoot 36%. Again, league average, Bucks win the half. You go game two, second half, same game. Boston falls off from 65%, go cold, 30%, Bucks win the half. If they are not shooting like they are on fire in NBA Jam, the Bucs are winning every single half. They can't beat them. If they're not firing on all cylinders. So yeah. this is very, very easy to me. And so for I I think that they come back to Earth, they shoot somewhere around 36, 37%, and they get beat tonight. And that's that's where my best bet is. And I love that I could get plus money on it.
0: Yeah. I I think especially if you're not if you're not concerned, it's gonna be a close game. And again, like especially I if it's between like, you know, 1.2 points traditionally in an NBA game, I'll usually try to be able to either play around with an alternative line or just go money line only because I feel like it's always going to be in that three to five range because of free throws at the end. Like it's exactly. just so rare a lot of the times where it's just one or two points that end up being the deciding factor. So bucks minus three and a half. Yeah, if you if you believe that it's going to be fully in control for Milwaukee, then yeah, that, that, that makes sense. And, and even if it does end up being a little bit close, if Milwaukee can close it out and Giannis makes some free throws down the stretch, then they're going to be just fine. As for, for my best bet of the day, I'm, I'm going to a uh, major league baseball um, under, um, but it's a first half under um, it's the Toronto blue Jays. They're at the Cleveland guardians. Um, you have a pitching matchup or first, I said first half under first <laughs> five under of three and a half. Um, the pitching matchup today is absurd. Kevin Gosman, Shane Bieber, Bieber currently the the AL Cy Young favorite, um, although necessarily it hasn't been because of his numbers this year. They've been good. Gosman probably the favorite for it right now, along with my guy Logan Gilbert, uh, who we talked about at BetSide at the beginning of the season at seventy to one. But you know, I, I wrote about this over at BetSide today. Kevin Gosman this year has been stupid. Okay, ERA is 2.27. His fielder independent pitching, uh, which is a a better sort of more typical reflection of like not only evaluating just how many runs he's given up, but also determining like balls in play and like what his actual ERA should be, is 0.49. Do you want to know the other thing that's crazy about Kevin Gosman this year? He's pitched just under 32 innings. He has 41 strikeouts and zero walks. Has not walked one batter over the course of this year. So the the, the control is at a pinpoint level. Um, and he goes up against Bieber, who tied his season high in strikeouts the last time out. Um, he's starting to go deeper into games. And even though the fastball velocity is just a tad bit down this year, the breaking stuff is getting tons of swings and misses. Like he's throwing the knuckle curve, he's throwing a slider, um, and, and guys are, are wailing away at it. So I'm going to just trust both starting pitchers and take the under three and a half for the first five innings of this game. Like, there's just not going to be a whole lot of power contact and good hard-hit balls against both of these two starting pitchers today. And you know that Gossman isn't going to issue free passes. So in a league, where we're already seeing unders hitting anywhere around like 60%. I'm just going to trust both starting pitchers and give me the under three and a half. It's not a lot of runs, but, you know, I could see this very much being a one nothing or 1-1 game after five innings today.
1: Listen, nothing, nothing more exciting than a, than a pitcher's duel. You know, one one baseball. That's what
0: baseball's is betting on.
1: I listen, one o baseball is, is crazy, but you have you have these the cy young guys, these cy young you know, contenders. This is that's good. That's good though.
0: Yeah, both both Very of those guys firmly in the mix. It's a double header today. Um, so you know the guys are gonna be saving some energy uh for, for both of the games as well. So full on opportunity to back some of these starting pitchers today. So Donovan going with uh, the alternative line. Of uh, Bucks minus three and a half at plus odds at 120. I'm going with the first five under in game one of the doubleheader between the Blue Jays and the Guardians today. And that's best bets. And that is our show for today. Uh, Donovan, great insight. Always fun to be able to do the show with you today. Tomorrow it will be Peter Dewey and Ian McMillan, same time, 11 a.m. Eastern time, 10 a.m. Central. Make sure you guys are back for this. As those guys are going to be going over full slate of NHL hockey. NBA postseason as well, and maybe a little bit of baseball in between. So for my guy Donovan, I am Ben. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us today here on Bet and Breakfast. May all of your best bets hit. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. So long.